This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Tony Maine. We're going to talk about how he founded Ranger for Life and a lot of his journey through the military and how he is giving back to that community now. Before we begin, I remind you this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a content creator, podcaster, YouTuber, anybody that wants to create tactical content that delivers, head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you discover, embrace, and then share your voice. Again, that's nightly.productions. Tony, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Zach. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, really appreciate it. Of course, man. I'm super excited about this because I think we have a lot of commonalities between ourselves, and we have surprisingly not crossed paths prior to heading towards this podcast, but I think we have similar circles, and I want to give the audience just an idea of what your circle really looks like, where you you founded, obviously, Ranger for Life. You're among the first United States spec op guys to respond to the terrorist attacks from September 11th in 2001. You served 12 years as part of the U.S. Special Operations Command, nine years in the 75th Ranger Regiment. You retired in 2020 of 20 years of active service. And you're overall, you have just a phenomenal journey through the military as a Ranger, it went through the Green to Gold Scholarship, where you were able to serve as an infantry officer. So we definitely have that in common. I was an OCS guy instead of Green to Gold. So you had a little bit better experience on the front end and, and then joined the dark side, if you will, as they call us. But overall, you have just a, a ton of awards, a ton of decorations from the 75th Ranger Regiment, everything from the Ranger tab to the CIB. Um, a big piece of it, and you participated in the U.S. Army Best Ranger Competition, which I want to dive into because that is quite a feat, as well as the Baton Memorial Death March. You have a ton of experience. I mean, we could just go on and on about your overall military experience, but a big piece of your endeavor is to have the opportunity to share the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. A lot of what you do in that realm with Ranger for Life is in that joint piece of trying to make sure veterans are taking care of themselves in the spiritual world. Overall, Tony, I know that's a big bio. I want to dive into a lot of that. But before we begin, can you tell us what's a fun fact that we might not know about you? Well, this is one only really folks who know my wife and I really well know. As you mentioned, I, I did go ROTC route instead of OCS for commissioning. I was down here at Fort Benning where they wear the ascot and used to bang the drum and march. And, yeah, that was me. That and was I didn't me. want my third Ranger Battalion <laughs> buddies seeing me going through that. So I decided to pick up a master's degree at Clemson, which yes. served me well. I was blessed to be able to do that. So at Clemson, um, there is a bevy of Southern Bells that also attend that school. And I knew that would be a target-rich environment. So I <laughs> happened to meet my wife there. But the way that I met her, she had graduated from Florida State. She was hired at Clemson, worked in the Greek life office at the Ohio State University, where I did my undergrad. I was actually the president of the Interfraternity Council. So Greek lifers was something I did in undergrad. I had a buddy in ROTC who was an Omega, and he invited me to you know the historically Black fraternity and sorority step shows. So on Friday night, I met my wife at a step show. 
and there are not too many white people in Clemson, that's where they end up meeting their significant other. And it was to this day, we kind of knew it was meant to be when we came together that night. I mean, I love that's a true love story attached to different things. And I want to make sure we also highlight, I mean, beyond all of that, you're doing so much in this military world and you went back to Clemson to further that life. And even beyond that, I want to make sure we do plug this piece because I didn't mention in the bio, you have the more elite podcast where it's really purpose built to build communities rooted in American values. So obviously a lot of that is sharing stories of veterans, sharing your story, Have you heard a lot of similar stories like that where you have veterans meeting their significant others in a crazy way? Have you, what's a good story you've heard from the podcast as you've gone through all these conversations? Well, especially for the, those Ranger veterans who've served down here, Atlanta is a hotbed, but everything, the ones that I like that I think are just show the goodness of the relationships you can build in the military is when a Ranger buddy goes home right? Because maybe he doesn't have the best home. Like he goes to another ranger buddy's home. So he goes to a, but you know, on leave or whatnot and ended up marrying a sister. Like that happens more than you might think. Cause we all say in the barracks, there is no way that anybody's going to date my sister, right? Like none of these knuckle draggers are going to get near. And then I will tell you those instances, those are uh, pretty special. And they generally, those, those sisters, now the ranger wives, they become some of the most ardent supporters of what their husbands do. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I love that. And that's a a highlight of the special operations community. Definitely different. I was an infantryman. I was fortunate enough to deploy with Green Berets as uh, attached infantry back in 2019. But So I got a taste of it. But what you recognize, or what I recognize in the spec ops community, and the ranger community specifically, it is a very, very tight family. There are guys that are on a different level. You're at the top of the army, which is really top of the military, for being honest, all those other branches out there. So you're performing at a very high level. There, there have to be a ton of lessons you took from that experience into the world now as you've transitioned out. Can you just highlight some of the values you've taken from the military into your life and your personal life? Well, goodness gracious, that's loaded. But kind of to get after what you were saying, I, I look at the question of why. So you you mentioned that special operators, you know, known as the tip of the spear, and you guys are great. But why? Special operators generally stay with the same units for longer. That builds more cohesion. So if you did the same thing that the military did in the business world of moving people around, trying to create a really a pyramid leadership structure that makes general officers and command sergeants major or senior enlisted advisors, you may not succeed in your business in exactly the same way. So that's what I've taken away. Why? I always ask a lot of questions. I enlisted after graduating from Ohio State, so I was the college boy. They called me CID just because why would somebody pre-9-11 enlist with a college degree? You didn't see it as much as you currently see it now. Now education, especially higher education, is something that a lot of folks will try or complete before enlisting. wasn't quite the same back then. So I came in and I figured I had a lot of questions that needed to be answered. And I learned a few good lessons and got a lot stronger as a result of asking those questions. 
And is there, I mean, obviously asking questions sometimes can be really tough in the military, right? They don't necessarily always encourage that piece of it. Have you found some really good questions? Because a lot of communication that we do in the military, but also post-military, business owners, entrepreneurship, corporate world, you know, we need to ask more questions. Has there been like a really impactful question that you found that doesn't rub people the wrong way, but it's like, hey, you should be asking this as a veteran when you transition? Here's your team. So I remember when I came to the military and I enlisted, one of the things that they'll tell you here at the Benning Camp for Boys in Fort Benning is that there's 11 supporters for every one infantryman. All right. So if that's true and that's what it takes to get you deployed and trained and to be become an NCO, to become be promoted, positions of advanced responsibility, be an officer, all those things. So what does your team look like when you get out? Right. Like you had a supply guy. What is the supply guy equivalent? When you get out, you had a team leader, squad leader, someone over top of you who's leading you through your transition, not who's doing the training through the DOD transition assistance program, but who's doing that. You've got paid by a huge personnel system. Do you have a finance guy? So that's really what we see in transition is you were part of a team bigger than your unit. You just didn't, you don't realize it. So when you transition, you need to replicate some of those what we call almost like functions, right? You got to build a functional team to help you. And that is hard for folks to kind of wrap their head around generally. Yeah, and I think it's a difficult thing. And I've heard from just being involved in the Atlanta world and the community up here in Atlanta, the transition piece is really difficult for a lot of veterans and recognizing the different teams or understanding your new role in a team. Did you see any difficulty in that where you went from being the top tier in the army, in the military, to now you're playing a different role. You're a role player in a different team. So as you recognize the team, did you see any struggles? Or have you worked with anybody that has struggled in that integration piece into this new type of team with civilians that is very different than the, what we're used to, right? Well, of course, because it's a mindset shift, right? You join the military and you are integrated into the military. So that becomes how you understand success. There's milestone charts. There's leadership. If you are an infantryman, you name whatever field you are in the military. You can go and if you want to Google it, find the manual that will tell you what you have to do to be successful, right? And as long as you don't do something unethical or immoral, right? You're going to get promoted. You will succeed. That is the military is based on taking this block that is this American that can make it through maps, right? And turning them into a general or a command sergeant major. Like that is what the military prides itself on. That's why special operations for a very long time was looked down upon because they wanted to be different than that type of mentality. And they were worried that that would infect the force. So you take that in someone transitioning and now all of a sudden, so what's that milestone chart look like? You know, a lot of special operators, well, I was in special operations, so I've got to go to Columbia and get my MBA. Okay, well, that's great for a lot of people, but do you want to live in New York City? Like that's a very small fraction of the transitioning population that wants to do that, but that's what best is. So now just developing what is happiness. And it's so amazing. There are a lot of public private universities now that have devoted parts of either their public policy or psychology departments to try to determine happiness because we are now becoming a very much employer-based society. And what I mean by that is we hear a lot of times you need to have a job that provides you purpose. 
And while I agree with that, and I agree that that match is important, up until the 1980s, the most important thing you could do was provide for your family. And the value was how do you provide for your family? So if you carried your, you know, your lunch pail and you did your nine to five, and if it was factory work, trade work, all those type of things, you provided for your family, you were a quality individual. That now quality is based on, well, are you making the money that allows you to do these things? So since we have guys in the military and then they hear about some of that type of stuff, dialing down and figuring out why they joined the military is the first thing, is the first thing, Zach, that you have to determine. Because that will tell you what their initial pursuits and passions were when they were 18 to 24 years old. And now they're going into a new world. And what we often find is when we find out why they joined the military, we can figure out what they need to do to be successful and what by success provide them happiness on the outside. A lot of officers become entrepreneurs patriotic people who wanted to be in charge of a little bit more, like let's cut out the whole enlisted officer bullcrap, but just the idea of, you know, you read books, you think officers are in charge because you hear officers briefing. So like, I want to be in the military. I want to be in charge. And then you realize, yeah, you're kind of in charge. Okay. Okay. That's cute up until a point, right? But business world, I can be in charge. All I have to do is start a business. So there's a reason that so these things kind of exist, but you got to dial down foundationally. Why did someone join? and work for you can almost take the military part throw that away i love that because it sounds like you're alluding to different aspects of what keeps the individual motivated right you got to find that passion after the uniform and somebody like you i mean a whole career of military where i had 10 years as a professional before i joined so i joined at 28 so i joined in a totally different time in my life you have a lot of guys that join at 18 19 20 or right after college you know 21 22 and all they've known is military and all they've known is the uniform so identifying what are you passionate about outside of the uniform i think that's a big transition piece i like i struggle with is like what are a lot of guys and gals let me not dictate away from the females because we have so many females in the military as well. But I feel like that's a struggle is how do you identify that passion to keep you motivated? So that this is interesting. So I'm blessed that I had my enlisted time blessed. And it alludes to what we're talking about. When there I was 22 years old, already, already a college graduate, I did not think I was better than anybody. But I knew I was a little bit different. I'm a kid from the suburbs, not a rich family, but typical like American middle class, like all along the averages, right? So here I'm at basic training in March of 99. And I was like, well, it would be, I want to see what the average age is. These folks seem a little bit older. Here I am, 22 years old college graduate. The average age was 23. And we had five soldiers who were from Puerto Rico. So I started asking, okay, I know why I'm joining. I read too many military history books. I want to do this, you know, do something hard for three years and get out. But why are all these other people doing it? And I'll tell you, it's not patriotism on the average. It's a little bit of getting away from home for some folks. It is sometimes challenge, you know, like trying something new, like seeing if they could, you know, be a little bit better than what their dad or their stepdad said they were. But it was also an opportunity. And some of those opportunities were around benefits. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. One of the kids in a neighbor platoon sold more candy than probably anybody in the history of basic training, made thousands of dollars. And finally, at the end of basic training, I was like, was that worth it? You got two Article 15s. You got this, that, and the other. And you know what he did? He's like, buddy, I'm from the streets. This is what I cleared. This is what I paid in my Article 15. And now my wife has childcare. 
tell me who's winning. And I'm like, did this conversation just happen after 14 weeks and turning blue and becoming, you know, this infantry soldier? So because of that experience, you know, that told me that in transition, cohort models, group training, things like that, wonderful for wave tops, you know, initial information. But if you're going to help people, it better be one-on-one. And you've got to dive down into why they joined. Because that, like you said, purpose, passion, motivation. You can't assume that everybody wanted, you know, they reached the top level of their rank and now they're ready to get out. That's not necessarily even why they came in. Yeah, I think that's a huge piece. And I, I want to highlight that for veteran employers, right? You have different organizations that aren't utilizing some really impressive people. With Vetlana, our summit is coming up in this next week, and it's all about employment and professional development. And there's a piece of of taking what everything you just said, recognizing what's motivating that veteran. Because if you can motivate a veteran in your organization, so those are some of the hardest working, most disciplined people that you can really motivate if you know how to do so properly, why are they at the job? Why are they now working for you? Why did they get out of the military? Why did they start the military in the first place? I feel like a lot of those questions are things that veteran employers aren't necessarily thinking about, especially beyond the resume, right? The resume, oh, is infantry and pulled a trigger in Afghanistan. Well, there's a lot more that goes into that, right? I feel like it's the employers on the employer to like, think about that. What more intrinsically are we doing to motivate and see the passion behind this person that is all about service? I agree 100%. And that's where our experiences in the military, if we're lucky to, to really kind of enculturate them into ourselves, it can be transformational, right? It has to be transcendent. Like I could take this into the civilian world. And if you get somebody who is truly, you know, quote unquote, squared away, and it really understands us about leadership, they're just going to crush their civilian world. Because then with, within the equal opportunity and regulations that are there for hiring in the civilian sector, like, okay, so why did this kid go to Clemson? And why does he want to be in corporate sales? Like, re- resumes are great, but my experience and my master's degree is in human resources. Uh, I never thought I'd be using it like I am, which is a, a blessing in itself once again. But like that's what we kind of provide. We understand and have had to motivate folks that weren't necessarily all there for the reason that that the average American thinks from varying backgrounds, right? Like it's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. And I know you've started doing this more as you've transitioned out yourself. And I want to highlight, we're going to dive harder into on Tactical Friday, what Ranger for Life, your organization is accomplishing. We're going to get more tactical about it. But I want to give a highlight to the audience for today. Obviously, everything we're talking about, you're now implementing in Ranger for Life. You're also a transition director for Gallant Few, which is America's veteran team. Everything we're talking about is like your specialty, right? You're actually implementing this now post-career out of the military as a veteran. Can you just give us a highlight of those two organizations and and what impact you're seeing with both of them? Well, I'd love to. And and thanks for that opportunity. So first, Gallant Few. This organization, it does more than just transition. It also does reintegration. And we talked about that before, how we're integrated into the military. We need to reintegrate back to society. So between transition and VetStar coaching, which is functional fitness coaching for veterans. That's kind of how we work. And our individual unit, you know, is the person. We don't do big group things. We do one-on-one meetings. And so the perfect ebb and flow for Gallant Few is someone's transitioning out of the military. We help them in terms of their transition and what we call the five vet star areas. So social, spiritual, 
physical, professional, and emotional, right? Because it's the holistic, it's a full body person. I will tell you in my job as a transition director, getting the job is the easiest thing to do. It is a hundred percent the easiest thing to do. Now it's harder when you're talking about the right job, that purposeful job, but teaching a military member about their finances, right? And depending on their background, their want to learn about finances, taking somebody through the VA claim, VA benefits, starting with the enrollment with disability and that process, that's hard. If I can get those foundational things, the job is just icing on the cake because now, you know, if they go ride their motorcycle, they get in an accident, and at least they signed up for VA healthcare, even if they didn't have their own policy through work and they're taken care of, right? So Gallant Few, everything from transition to reintegration with coaching, over 4,000 veterans served since 2010. And we're blessed. In fact, today we're coming from the Ranger Outreach Center here in Columbus, Georgia, um, where we're able to see Rangers and all veterans in the Chattahoochee Valley. And then Ranger for Life, it's just an outcrop of what we do with Gallant Few. It's just more of the spiritual component to it. And the reason that it's there is two reasons. You've already mentioned I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I wear that on my sleeve. And that's when the day that I die, that's what I want to be known as somebody who helped make disciples of Christ. However, right, as, as a follower and as somebody who cares for people, we ignore, right, and equal opportunity practices have allowed this to happen. And really just bad science and bad data have taken the spiritual component of someone's holistic wellness. And we said, we, well, we just can't talk about it. It's just too hard, right? And so like I said, if I'm going to take down the target, I make my decisions based on data, right? Folks who understand their spirituality, right? And by understanding, I mean, I don't care if you're Muslim, Catholic, you, you name it, atheist, even if you're agnostic, right? If you have an idea of why you were created and what your purpose was here on this earth, whatever you believe, you will live longer, be happier, and be healthier. So if I told you those three things to the government, what is something that can reduce healthcare costs, right? Reduce suicides, you would be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But we've decided that talking about it with people, right, is too hard. And that's not for the workplace. Instead, we should set up round desks where everybody can just set up their monitor and they can feel like a community and that will be more productive, right? So business wins and then people go home, but they're empty because they're not at work because now their identity is what they are at work, right? Hey, I could do this all day. I know the listeners don't want to hear this too much, but just Google, Google some studies on spiritual fitness and what it means for your health, happiness, and longevity. And in terms of suicide, which is a big deal in our veteran community, it's a big deal in the active duty community, we see no statistical significance link between your spirituality, like belonging to a religion, right, or not knowing. There's no difference in ideation. That's thinking about it. Because the thinking about it, dying, it could be a product of depression, it could be a product of things that we all go through but there's a two-third less chance that you will make a suicide attempt if you know your spirituality. But it's too hard to talk about. So what Ranger for Life does is it doesn't shy away from things like that, Zach. And thank you for giving me that platform to talk about it. And any listener, I'd be happy to talk to you about it and contact me. I'll give you the studies. I mean, and these are not like Baptist theological seminary, right? This is like Department of Labor, Mm -hmm. like folks who some big brains Rand, who are trying to figure this out, we're getting millions of dollars, by the way, from the government to try to figure it out. And the answer is kind of there. How we do it 
that's where for business people, that's where that's what you got to figure out. That that's where the opportunity is. But it, the answer is out there. And I love that because it is something that isn't talked about too often. And it's something that I'm seeing come out more and more. And I love the the statistic attached to it. If you recognize that faith and it gives you that, again, it's more of like another mission, passion attached to life and goal and existence, right? And the purpose to continue forward because it is a struggle overall in everything we do as veterans and transitioning and recognizing those pieces. And I love that piece of it. And I imagine that touches on my next question, my final question I have for you. As you're doing all of this, as you're putting all of this together, what's the legacy you're wanting to leave on the world with all your amazing works, Ranger for Life, and everything you're putting into the veteran community? That's hard. I mean, just how you phrase that, like my legacy, like I'm Tony Maine. I'm a guy who grew up in a cinder block house in Marietta, Ohio, the first permanent settlement of the Northwest Territory. All right. So, and I'm just a guy. If there's a story could be told of just try, listen to good people. Be around people you aspire to be like. You know, we say in the military, I know you've heard this one, or at least you might have given this one at a safety brief, right? Insert the town. Nothing good happens to good people after 12 p.m. and then insert the city, right? Okay, so let's take the reverse of that and why I think transition is so important. I told you, I think the number one thing people need to do and recognize is, uh uh-oh, they need a team. So you see how this is, I don't want to say like this was, this isn't full circle, but I mean, it's how it works. We're meant to be in, human beings are meant to be in community. We're not meant to isolate. Like we see what happens when veterans isolate, then it's not positive, right? So if we're meant to be in community, then we should be working for the good of each other. That's the takeaway. Man, Tony, I, I love that. And I love that you're putting that forward and in front of everything, right? And you're accomplishing so much. Give the audience an opportunity. Where can we find more about you, Ranger for Life? What are the links, the websites, the podcast? Let us know where we can find everything about you. I, I appreciate that. You know, the hardest thing that we struggle with in the military, especially the interview process, like, tell me a time where you did something great. It's like, so my team, right? Like this is the uncomfortable part. But so I do have a website, TonyMain.com. You can go there and you can find the Warriors Walk blog, which is a weekly blog where I kind of take a little bit of military experience and add to it a spiritual component there, very much from my background of the Christian faith. A Memorial podcast, we have episodes come out every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. You can find it on Podbeam and what's a common phrase, wherever you find your podcast, right? Like we're on all those things. I'm sure somebody in the last five minutes created another podcast channel we're not on, but all the main ones were there. And like you said in the intro, Zach, telling your story is therapeutic. So if nothing else, if I give a veteran the opportunity to tell a story like you're giving me the opportunities, act, like that in itself is goodness. And then so you see the sign Gallant Few at the Rock, and you can go to gallantfew.org backslash the rock. That will show you kind of what we do here in Columbus, Georgia. And if you just want to check out what Gallant Few does, go to gallantfew.org. If you want to get in contact with me personally, I'm a huge LinkedIn guy. I'm an HR guy by schooling. So I love LinkedIn and you can get connected with me there or at Tony Tony at gallantfew.org. I'd be happy to speak with any of you. And I appreciate the opportunity, Zach, what you're doing for the community, what you do through not only your company, but also your volunteer time. That Lana, we can see the impact that it's having. We thank you for everything you're doing. I appreciate it, Tony. And overall, man, I appreciate everything you're doing for our community. It needs more guys like you in it. And overall, thank you for your time. And I encourage everybody, 
Go check out Tony. Check out everything he's talking about. Some amazing podcasts with a few people I know from Richard Kaufman to a, a Jeff guy that's been attached up here and is now running a few things in that Ranger world that we can't talk too much about. Jeez, go check out these episodes. It's good stuff. And then, of course, come back this Friday for Tactical Friday. We're going to dive really heavy into the things that we're accomplishing with Ranger for life. Tony, thanks so much for your time, my friend. Rolo, you have a great rest of your week. Rangers lead the way. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.